630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Roddy takes the snap. He'll look to the right side. He's throwing deep again, going to the end zone, up in the air. Touchdown, Eskimos! Adarius Bowman! Hey, that's three! From Carpat and Finland, Jesse, Porter Jarvis. He takes the snap, and J.C. Sherritt goes over the top. The Eskimo defense has done it! Eskimos win the football game. It is short. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in tonight. Oh, yeah, we got a good one this evening. We got a little Eskimos talk as they get ready to go to Regina. Former Edmonton Oiler Dr. Randy Gregg is going to be on the show tonight. It'll be fun to catch up with him. We have Leon Dreisaitl in conversation with Mark Spector. We'll get you ready for the Young Stars Tournament in Penticton. Don't forget, we have play-by-play from Penticton starting tomorrow at 8.30. The Oilers, Young Stars, Pugliarve, Benson, and company up against the uh, Canucks Young Stars team. Saturday, we have a World Cup game. That leads into another Young Stars broadcast. My goodness, you can just leave it on 6.30, Chad, and get a buffet full of sports over the next few days. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is 6.07. This is indeed... Inside Sports on 630 Chedra. Eskimos running back Shakir Bell will join us in about half an hour. He's, uh, you know, it's it's funny. I, a lot of people want him to get another chance, and he's uh, going to get another chance here to uh, to play running back for the Eskimos against the Riders on Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock pregame show, 2.30 for the kickoff here on 630 Chet. So, if you've been listening uh, this week, first of all, thank you. And then you know that we've been going around the Western Hockey League with uh, features on different people. We had Les Lazaric on the show. He's the play-by-play voice for the Saskatoon Blades. We had Nolan Patrick from the Brandon Wheat Kings on the show. Right now, he's projected to go first overall in the NHL draft in June. A lot can happen between now and then, but he's, he's the guy right now. And we had Jason Smith on the show, the former Edmonton Oilers defenseman. He's now going into his first year as the coach of the Kelowna Rockets. Well, what's cool today is... We get to go around the NHL, uh, around the WHL, by staying right here in Edmonton. And, and we're going to give the, Edmont- the uh, Edmonton Oil Kings some love right off the top of the show. And by extension, give you, the Edmonton hockey fan, some love as well. Because 18,102 of you have stepped up to buy tickets for the first game at Rogers Place. Even before the Oilers play even a preseason game, the Edmonton Oil Kings will play a regular season game against the Red Deer Rebels next Saturday, September 24th, and it is sold out. The first ever sellout in Oil Kings modern franchise history. It smashes the previous attendance record that the Oil Kings uh, had held, which was uh, 16,600 back on March 10th of 2012. It's a little shy of the uh, overall WHL record, but uh, this is this is pretty cool. So in, in the first uh, uh, later on, we're going to be joined on the line by Colton Keller, a forward for the uh, Edmonton Oil Kings. But this an- announcement was made. This afternoon, 
at Rogers Place, and we get, did get to talk to a very excited general manager of the Oil Kings, Randy Hatch. We're pretty excited as uh, adults, and I know the kids are pretty excited. Uh, even today was the first day we were able to practice on the main ice surface here at uh, Rogers Place, and uh, we basically kind of had to shut the doors because they were ready to go about 20 after. So, uh, it, you know, every day there's something new happening. It's exciting, and it's uh, certainly contagious and energetic for our group, you know, staff and players. What does it mean for a Western Hockey League franchise to be able to call a building like this home? Uh, it's special, and uh, it, it is really hard to put into words. You know, you, uh, every day you come here, and like I said, we're always experiencing something new. And you know, for our players to be in this atmosphere, uh, just to see you know the type of building, and then to have the crowd support that we're going to have, uh, it's all part of development. You know, getting to the next level, and uh, you know, we're very fortunate and very appreciative of the opportunity. How quickly did the? Do you have any idea how quickly the tickets went? No, that's uh, up to uh, the sales department and Kevin and his department. They do a very good job, and it sounds like they went really quick. You know, I think with the first day and then obviously on uh, Tuesday. So, uh, our, you know, our players, we could probably ask them. They monitored it pretty good, so they have a pretty good feel, but it, it went very quick. Even in this building, do you think it'll help build upon the fan base even more here? Well, I, I think so, definitely. You know, it's an exciting place to come watch an event. And, uh, you know, I know our kids, you know, it's exciting. Uh, it, place for them to play mm -hmm. and I think for fans to come you know just to see an event itself you know they're going to be very interested on it. 18,000 people watching these youngsters you know 20 and under that's a lot of pressure is that a little added something to the home opener? Well it's 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 added pressure but probably added you know incentive and I think more excitement and that's how we're going to build upon it and it's no different than the opposing teams coming in you know they're excited to come here and play and watch you know compete in this building so it's all part of again we go you know through development and we're just going to build on it being excitement. Look at this as an opportunity, kind of. Uh, I'm assuming a lot of people are coming here not really certain of your product. But you look at this as a chance to kind of gain more, have a bigger fan base, I guess. Yeah, I think you you know you always got to take advantage of that and you know show your product. And you know we're, we're our team's going to grow with the building and uh, grow with our fans. What have you heard from the players just on your dressing room? Uh, lots, you know, lots, and uh, they've just constantly talked about it, and, uh, you know, they always find something new that they like, and uh, as they should. We're pretty fortunate, and uh, like we said, we have we haven't had a problem with guys coming late. Uh, everyone's been more than early, and uh, we're hopefully that keeps a, a trend. Do you ever let them know that, hey, you guys are, you kids are pretty lucky? Well, I, yeah, we, we talk a little bit about it, but I think they're pretty appreciative of it, you know, and, uh, you know, each day they kind of see that, and even today we're kind of kept it on the QT just in case there was adjustments about the rink, but once they found out we're on the big rink, it, uh, they were excited. And like I said, we kind of had to shut the doors and just make sure that they're ready to go at 129. You know who this ranks amongst the WHL tournaments? Because 18,000 artists are going to be up there with the highest. Yeah, I, I think it would, it would be up there. You know, there's obviously some rinks that they've opened up, uh, their upper bowls and everything, so it, it would be up there for sure. You probably counted the cat out of the hat, so to speak, but is there a lot of uh, pregame, uh, you know, is it going to be a pretty wild show for fans uh, for that opening night? Uh, you know, that's not my department, and that's uh, KR and his, his crew, and they do a very good job. So uh, we've got enough things to worry about with uh, Redder coming in. They're a very good club, and they're going to be ready to play. But I'm sure they'll have some stuff set up for sure. Randy Hanch talking to the assembled media this afternoon at Rogers Place. Good for good for the Oil Kings, I say. And, and look, I know a lot of people want to get into Rogers Place as quickly as, as possible, but... You know, major junior hockey, obviously an excellent level of hockey. A lot, um, you know, a lot of guys 
in the NHL, played major junior hockey, played in the Western Hockey League. But still, a lot of these players aren't going to play in the NHL someday. So this could very well be the largest crowd they ever play in front of. So, I, you know, I hope it's, uh, I know there's going to be a lot of people going to gawk around the new arena. And I, and I don't blame you. It's a good chance to get in. The, you, you, you know, I, I know a lot of people have complained to me about uh, the uh, ticket prices for not just the Oilers, but NHL hockey and pro sports in general. The Oil Kings are pretty reasonable if you want to check out a game, so I hope you bring some enthusiasm uh, to cheer for them and, and not just about the rink, because that's going to be pretty cool. Sean texting 63630, he says, uh, Hey, Reed, I was anticipating the Oil Kings sellout. I'm hoping the crowd appreciates how good Western Hockey League players are. Major Junior Hockey is excellent. Many of these guys are aiming for the NHL. Let's see another few sellouts in the future really cool that the first hockey game is a junior one that is a text to 63630 from Sean i can tell you another oil kings note today couple notes actually fernando pisani former edmonton oiler who spent the last 3 seasons on the coaching staff of the u of a golden bears has joined the oil kings as a uh, development coach david pelche is going to be the oil kings skating coach he also holds down that role with the edmonton oilers of course uh, steve hamilton remains the head coach ryan marsh the uh, assistant coach so uh, all the best with fernando pisani and david pelche as they jump on board there to help the oil kings all right uh, you heard Randy Hanch mentioned KR, that is Kevin Radomski, the Director of Business Operations, who has some comments on the sellout too. Yeah, so this attendance at 18,102 is a franchise record. It's not a WHL record. So there's a team down south that's a slightly larger building. I'm not going to question the validity of the numbers. But yes, they, the attendance record isn't challenged by this. No. Okay. We're very proud of it, though. Let me not not take that away from that. From a marketing standpoint, I mean, is this a come true or what? There's no question. There's no insight for what you can do in this building. I'll be honest with you. When we were doing the scheduling, uh, the scheduling is a many-month process process, usually a six-month process, and when we started seeing that we were going to be the first game, we expected that, okay, well, we probably won't get the first game, and when it turned out to be true, it is a marketing dream, absolutely. 18,000 people consuming junior hockey. That doesn't happen anywhere else but here. It's amazing. How quickly did the tickets go? Very quickly. We had a one-hour pre-sale for our season seat holders, followed by an on-sale for our general seats, and they went, and they went fast, and it was so fast that we actually verified the numbers before to make sure that we weren't wrong somewhere. Because junior hockey, there's always seats available, but there wasn't for home opener. So we wanted to make double sure that we were good. So 24 hours, 48 hours? It was under 24 hours. Yeah. For junior hockey, amazing. I want to ask you about the configuration of the building. Yes. I think the owners are a little 18.5, I think. Is. Yeah, so there is some seat kills for junior hockey. It just is drink rails in the upper levels. Okay. So that 18,102 is our number. Yes. The Edmonton Oilers have a higher number because they have more ancillary services upstairs. All right, so there you go. And that, that was a good question. Derek Van Dees threw that in there. The Oil Kings, or pardon me, the Oilers' capacity will be around 18,500. I, I talked to somebody today, and it's still not exactly set. They still kind of are uh, adding or subtracting seats every day, just as they look at the configuration. I mean, they're not pulling seats in or out, but, you know, just like 
okay, this this could go here. Here's another drink rail spot or or whatever. So we we don't know the exact capacity yet. I, I, we, maybe we won't know that till the first preseason game. Who knows? But uh, yeah, so you heard Kevin there say some of the drink rails and stuff not available for Oil Kings game. So that's why they're sellout. 18-1. The Oilers will be around uh, 18-5. Oilkings.ca, of course, if you want to check out their schedule and uh, more tickets. And this is going to be pretty cool because after the break, we'll bring in a player for the Edmonton Oil Kings that you can cheer for next Saturday. Colton Keller will join us when we get back. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. I can also tell you that the Toronto Blue Jays will play later on tonight visiting the LA Angels. Josh Donaldson expected to play after missing the last three games. The Blue Jays are in a playoff spot. Right now they have the second and final wild card position. Our old friend Thursday night football returns. Jets and Bills. We will keep you updated once that game gets underway. It's Inside Sports. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you for tuning in. Of course, you can text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063. You can email InsideSports at 630Ched.com. What did I miss there? Oh, did I say my Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is at Reed Wilkins. There you go. Numerous ways to reach me. Uh, you can also mail a letter, but not a lot of people do that anymore. Okay, so uh, we're giving the uh, Edmonton Oil Kings a little love here in the first half hour of the show. Their home opener next Saturday against the Rebels. Sold out, 18,102 tickets claimed. And I'm pleased to welcome to the show forward for the Oil Kings, Colton Keller. Colton, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, great to have you on the show. Man, wh- what an exciting day for the Oil Kings. First of all, how did you enjoy the practice on the, on the main ice surface at Rod? place today yeah it was uh, it was very special uh, i was lucky enough to be one of the first guys out uh, from the team and you just kind of look up you're pretty taken back uh, first of all by the size of that jumbotron it's uh it uh you gotta you gotta look way up to see it and just um the whole the whole atmosphere of, of rogers is, has been unbelievable but uh skating on that ice today was just definitely extra special what can you tell me about your dressing room? I got to go in the Oilers dressing room yesterday. I have not been in the Oil Kings dressing room, but I imagine it might be the envy of the rest of the Western Hockey League. Oh, it's it's definitely top notch. It's uh, second to none. Uh, we um, it's more than enough space for for the uh, for the amount of guys we have. We still have extra guys, and there's there's more than enough space. Um, I uh, we we got a scrape too going. Uh, uh, into the second part of practice, I was I walked into one of the um, one of the WHL visitor dressing rooms, and uh, I'd, I'd say I'd say the the visitor dressing rooms in uh, Rogers is probably nicer than than the majority of uh, of uh, home locker rooms in the WHL. Is uh, it was something special. Okay, well that's cool stuff. And it was also announced today that your first game next uh, next weekend, next Saturday against the Red Deer Rebels, or your home opener, I should say, your second game of the season, is sold out. I mean, what do you think of uh, the chance here to play in front of more than 18,000 fans? Yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, um, that I, I saw the first one in uh, franchise history, I believe. Um, yeah, you go, some of the guys were saying we were uh, just kind of taking all, taking in the uh, the Rogers uh, main ice there when we got out, and uh you know, just thinking that uh, you know, in a week or so, that uh, that building is going to be full uh, is uh, something it's hard to r- wrap your mind around. But uh, it's definitely it's definitely going to be uh, uh, something to remember for a long, long time. I mean, what do you think's the most people you've you've played 
in front of in the past, like maybe a playoff game last year, or what would what would you guess um, at? I, I think the biggest one for me, and the most notable one at least, was uh, our teddy bear toss game. Yes, or uh, last year, um, that was a uh, Rexall was was bumping, and I mean when those teddy bears hit the ice, I, um, they were falling for a long time. But yeah, that, I think that was probably the. Uh, the, the biggest crowd I've ever played in, but to, to, to be able to top that is, um, is, is again, it's, um, it's a little unbelievable still. Colton Keller from the Edmonton Oil Kings joining us inside sports on 630 Chet. Colton, for you uh, last year, a 17-goal season. Uh, I wonder how you look back on last year. Because, you know, I, I know you had a bit of an injury, and I think you missed 10 games or so. So, uh, you know, I, I, what, what, I, I know whenever guys are injured, they always tell me they were a little disappointed in the season. I won't make that assumption, though, with you. How do, yeah. how do you look back on last year? Um, it was definitely a learning experience. Um, you know, 72-game schedule can, can be really taxing on, on the mind and on the body, of course. But, um, yeah, you kind of you kind of learn to, you know, stay even keel throughout the whole year. Um, you know, not, not, get too, not get too high, not get too, too low. You just really want to, you know, keep keep a level head and uh i think that's probably the best way to approach a a, a lengthy schedule like ours um is it was definitely one of the what i learned uh the most from last year was was uh how to how to handle our schedule how do you look at your role coming up uh, this year uh, I, I mean are, do you think you're a, like a secondary scorer do you think you'll you're going to be maybe a primary scorer this this season what are you looking forward to um you know i, I think there was a big turnover of uh of guys uh, offensively that have that have moved on um you know i'm not uh i don't want to make any speculation where i'm going to sit in the lineup but uh, i know i know a lot of guys are going to have to step up and uh it's it's guys have done exactly that in the the, the first four games of um of preseason so you know wherever i sit in the lineup i, I know what i have to do and it's my, my job is to score goals and to you know provide energy for the team and that's uh, something I know I'm capable of doing, and I'm excited to uh, provide for, for this team. All right. Well, we're looking forward to the new season. That is going to be a, a fun one next Saturday when you guys take on Red Deer, and hopefully there are a lot of big crowds for you this season at Rogers Place. Colton, thank you so much for your time. Great to have you on the show. Uh, thank you very much. Colton Keller from the Edmonton Oil Kings. More on their sellout on 630Ched.com. That football game, Jets-Bills, about to get started. How about this? You can't just follow it. You can also watch it on Twitter. The first of 10 NFL games streams tonight on Twitter. Users can watch the action from the Twitter app on their smartphone or tablet. And Gadget's Dana Woolman says it'll also be on Twitter apps on TV streaming services like... The Apple TV, the Amazon Fire TV, or the Xbox One. Um, notably, Roku devices are not on that list. The deal between Twitter and the NFL comes as Twitter looks to keep up user growth and draw people to its apps, while the NFL looks to reach viewers across multiple platforms. Mark Remillard, ABC News. That game about to kick off. The Eskimos in action Sunday. Running back Shakir Bell when we get back. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight, 6.34 in the p.m. Now, tomorrow, we'll have Inside Sports. It'll be a little shorter than usual. It'll end 8.30-ish, maybe a little sooner. I will do the show from the South 
Okanagan Events Centre in Penticton. And then, as uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'll hand the reins over to Jack and Bob around 8.30 so they'll have play-by-play of the Oilers game at the Young Stars Tournament against the Vancouver Canucks. So, uh, yeah, I think Bob and Jack are going to Penticton, I believe, as we speak. They might be there already. I'll be travelling out there tomorrow. I'm hitchhiking, Kellen. Uh, you better start now. It's a little bit well, of a Well, I'll start at 9. I'll start at 9. Oh, as soon as you leave the building? Yeah, I'll start at 9. I, yeah. I gotta, I, I'm just d- deciding the, the size of the cardboard, piece of cardboard I'm going to hold up with Penticton written on it, what font okay. to use and what marker color to use. So, so if I see a, a fellow matching your description holding up a cardboard sign, I'm not going to call the cops out front. I'll, I'll just assume it's you. <laughs> well, there's nothing illegal against holding a cardboard sign saying Penticton on it, is there? No. I don't think so. So long as you stay on the on the city property, because if they walk into our property, it's trespassing. Well, no, I won't do. I won't hitchhike from the chorus right. parking lot. Okay. Because no one would see me on Roper Road passing by. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of dead that time of night. Maybe I'll take stuff. an Uber. Oh, <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> you, you might want a ten percent off code. I'm, I have access to a couple of those. If do you they want. have those? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, just you know, look around the internet. That's about it. Look There's, around the look at her. Look, there, there's your advice from Uncle Kellen, kids. Look around Just the look internet. Look around the internet. Use the old Google. But Daddy, Uncle Kellen said I should just look it up on the internet. <laughs> uh, it's six thirty-six. You can always reach out by texting six thirty-six thirty. The phone number is seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. One of the many sporting events we'll be bringing you over the next few days is the Edmonton Eskimos' final trip to Regina to play the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at. Taylor Field, and it looks like Shakir Bell will be your starting running back for the Green and Gold. Shakir, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to talk to you, man. And and I got to say, over the last two or three weeks here, I've been asked by a lot of listeners who have been saying to me, when's Shakir Bell going to get another chance? Why couldn't he be played against Calgary? I mean, maybe it's not the uh, the circumstances that, that you uh, you want to play under, but it's got to be exciting for you to get another shot here against the Riders. Uh, definitely. I mean, um, every, th- every time someone asks me why I'm not playing or anything like that, I, I give them the same answer every time. Uh, I'm behind one of the best backs in the CFL, John White. And um, I'm just I'm just here to make sure that when I do get my opportunity, that I'm just as prepared as whenever John is in. And, you know, I, uh, I, a lot of people look at it as a negative thing for me to try to sit back and take the role as a second string running back. But um, I've been able to learn a lot this year just sitting behind John, watching John, taking away the things that he do to that he applies to his game, and I apply them to my game. So uh, I'm just blessed to get my opportunity again and just go out there and get a chance to give my team uh, get get my team a win. <laughs> Shakir, tell me a little bit about your relationship with John, and you mentioned learning some things from him. I wonder if you can tell fans what a couple big things you've learned have have been over the last year and a half. Oh, no, definitely. Me and John, are we're definitely great. We're like two peas in the pot. Um, he's a big brother figure to me. He's been a big brother figure to me since last year whenever he went down with his Achilles injury. But um, a lot of the things I just take away from John's game is just his hunger to learn, you know, his hunger to, to be aggressive in his blocking and just his explosion. If you, I, I'm a student of the game first, and if you look at John White when he runs, 
all of his cuts are direct. They're explosive and they're, they're kind of misleading to an extent. extent. He'll, he'll fake you out one way and then he'll explode the other way. So uh, a lot of things that John do, I try to uh, put into my game. And like I said, I, I let him know whenever he's doing something right, just as, just as well as I let him know when he's doing something wrong. So it's just good to have a tight-knit tight knit running back group the way we have. And the same goes for Calvin McCarty and Mike Miller and even Perkins. Uh, Perkins came in and he's been learning the role very quickly. So uh, we're a tight knit group and it doesn't matter who's up. We're just all rooting for our, the next guy to go out there and represent the running back group well. You mentioned blocking as part of that answer and, and I know a lot of coaches say now because the previous coaching staff said it and, and Jason Moss and his crew said it this year when you're a running back you got three priorities uh, pass catching, blocking and and running and sometimes pass catching and blocking are even more important than the running. How, how do you feel uh, you're, you are in, in, in the blocking department? Because I know I know John always got a lot of praise for his work there. Yeah. Definitely, uh, in the CFL, you have to be a you have to be a pass blocker, and that was a, a definite blessing in disguise for me because when I was in college and even in high school, I was a thirty forty carry type guy. I rarely had to block, and I'm uh, I'm a men, I'm a shorter size type guy. But uh, with my with my running backs coach this year, Coach uh, Prenny, he uh, he teaches us just the techniques, the fundamental sound, and low man wins. People don't realize that, but the lower you are. When, he, when you're engaging in a block, more likely you get to win. So me being short isn't a negative connotation on my on my game. It's definitely one thing that I look I, that I've learned to use to my advantage. Um, John John White goes and he he attacks somebody, and that's the that's one thing that I I apply to my game. I feel like I've gotten a lot better blocking wise and communicating with my old lineman. Me and my old lineman we talk throughout the games, and they, I tell them who I'm going to. Uh, who I'm going to engage in whenever we're in a, uh, whenever we're in the game, and it helps them. It doesn't. It just it just helps them for us to have that type of communication and, uh, in that backfield and in the game and throughout the course of a game. And it just help. It helps me with my blocking schemes too, because then it, it just makes puts me in a better position. So I feel I've definitely done a lot better in my blocking wise. But um, Coach Jones is a is a is a defensive mind coach. And he's going to send everything he can our way. So um, definitely looking forward to go out there and showcasing that, showcasing my blocking ability again. But I know my job is first to protect the football when I have it, and second to protect Mike Riley. So uh, Mike's the heart and soul of our team. So if I'm doing anything wrong, then that's my job. So yeah. I live by that, die by that. <laughs> well, you know, you, you played Saskatchewan back on August 26th, not that long ago, and you wound up being one of the CFL Players of the Week because you had 170 all-purpose yards. You, you broke off some big plays. Shakir, why do you think you had so much success in that game? Uh, I definitely give it up to my old lineman. Uh, those guys don't get enough credit. Point blank, period. Those guys were blocking their butts off. And then the wide, our wide receivers. I mean, we have Darius Bowman, Darrell Walker, Nate Kuhorn, <laughs> Getz left. I mean, like, we have a lot of great guys that go out there and catch the ball. But blocking is one of the biggest things that people don't notice that goes unnoticed uh, with us. And I have to give my hats off to those guys that was up front blocking for me every play and the guys that was blocking it on, the, on those edges. Um, we all around had a great game. Uh, playing against those guys, except especially coming out of the gate, but our focus is more more so coming out of the gate, coming out stronger for in the third quarter. So even though I feel like I had a good game against uh, against Saskatchewan uh, the last time I played, I got my opportunity. I definitely feel like there was plays that I need to uh, I need to do better on, and that I, 
that I feel like uh, we can make we can make better decisions coming out in the third quarter. Edmonton Eskimos running back Shakir Bell joining us on Inside Sports tonight. Of course, the Eskimos going into Regina to face Saskatchewan on Sunday afternoon. We'll have it for you right here on 630. Chad, uh, Shakir, you played uh, Indiana State University yep. and uh you know you you wound up in the Canadian Football League. L- let me ask you this, why why Edmonton? How, why was that the uh option you chose to uh pursue at that point in your career in life? Uh definitely. Uh, I mean, there there was a lot of things that that I mean, my my base uh of playing football has always been me having to prove myself. Um I came out of high school and I was ranked the number 2 running back leading rusher in the nation. I rushed for 3,105 yards. I averaged 7.68 yards per carry. I averaged uh, 15 points a game. Uh, I mean, I just I put up some astounding numbers. But and I went to a I went to an, a prestigious high school, Warren Central High School, out of uh, the east side of Indianapolis, Indiana, and it's a prestigious high school, well known around the nation. And um, I still didn't get any college offers. So that was my first time getting overlooked. Uh, going into college, my my only offer came from a junior college that was in Arizona, in Indiana State, and at that time Indiana State was a uh, uh, was on had the nation's longest losing streak uh, for Division One or Division One AA uh, Division One AA athletes, and uh, we went there and we turned the program around. And I say we because, like I said, like I always say, I don't ever do anything by myself. I mean, once I get the ball, I try to be as as good as I can with it whenever I do have it, but. Um, the the guys that put in the work at Indiana State to build rebuild that program, uh, it just it wasn't just a single effort on my behalf. It was just definitely a team effort. But uh, coming out of college, um, I had some things go wrong with my with the coaching staff that I was at. I was with at Indiana State. Um, I was dismissed from the team going into our seventh game into the season, and I went into the NFL. Real, still kind of highly recruited and uh, highly looked at, highly scouted. I had 15 teams at my uh, single pro day. And uh, uh, after the draft and everything, I just I got no I got no invites, no camp invites, no uh, no uh, no type of invites from any NFL team. So the whole 2015 season, uh, I'm a father. I have a three year old daughter. Her birthday will be on, uh, be this Monday. So I definitely had to give her a shout out. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I was just focused on being a dad, and I went back to Warren Central, my old high school, and I. I uh, worked as a special education instructional assistant, and I also sub-teach, and I also coach. So the whole 2015 season that I was uh, – 2014 season, sorry about that. My whole 2014 season that I was sitting out, um, I was just being a dad and working and, you know, just being just being a, 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 just being a part of society. So uh, Coach Jones had seen a highlight tape that I made of myself uh, that I put on Facebook, actually. He seen the highlight tape, uh, gave me a call, and then um, – Offer me a uh, offer me a, a tryout in his hometown in Tennessee, and the day after Christmas, he he wanted to see how dedicated I was to it. He had me and my mother and my grandfather drive out from Indiana to Tennessee to uh, to go do a workout. I did the workout. He gave me a uh, he gave me another opportunity at the mini camp, and then from from then on, I just you know progressed from here. Well, I mean that's that's quite an amazing journey, and you've you've certainly stuck with it. And look, Shakira, I, I got to ask you about. Uh, I mean, and, and you you kind of joked about it earlier, but uh, you know, you're not the biggest guy in the world, and we you know yeah. we, have, we, have, we we have a saying when sometimes we when we talk about hockey players, and I wonder if it applies to football players too. When you're a big guy, you have to prove you can't play. When you're a smaller guy, yeah. you have to prove you can play. Is, is do you find that exactly. true in football too? 
I definitely find that true. I mean, uh, I knew that, I mean, I've always been a shorter guy. When I came into high school, I was all of 4'10", 120 pounds. But I was, I'm one of the feistiest guys you ever meet. Uh, I love being in the weight room. I'm a weight room warrior. I came out of college squatting over 600 pounds, benching close to 400, 375 pounds ish that area. So in every in every aspect that I can control, I try to control it. So um, I, I mean, like I said, I don't look at my height as being a negative thing. Uh, when I'm running the ball, I have big Matt O'Donnell that I can run behind, a big seven footer that I can run behind, and you know I I, I can hide behind my uh, my my offensive lineman. So I don't look I don't look at as my height as being a negative thing. I try to turn it into a positive thing as much as I can. So that's definitely that's definitely I feel like that that definitely applies to to football players as well. Definitely have to prove yourself when you're shorter. What uh, what's been the one thing about the the CFL that maybe has been a, a big adjustment or or a, you know a surprise or just a difference for you having played you know four down football most of your life before coming up here? Uh, I don't I don't feel that there was really there wasn't really much of a of a difference except for uh, I mean this is my second year so I'm a little bit more acclimated to 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 the the way the games play but um, you know just your basic things the field's wider. There's a lot more running. There's an extra guy. There's two extra guys on the field, actually. And then, uh, you know, the, the three-down rule. You know, like I said, I, I came from uh, playing American football when there's four downs, so uh, the running back gets a little bit more of an opportunity to, to, to run the ball and prove himself. And for me, uh, we, we have amazing running back. We have amazing wide receivers, and we have a, a, one of the best, probably the best quarterback in the CFL. And, you know, my opportunities doesn't come as much now that it's a three down three down league, and you know we don't run, we don't run the ball as much as we as much as a lot of other teams or as much as you do in the in the NFL or back in the states. So that was probably one of my be- one of one of the things that I definitely had to get adjusted to is making the most out of every opportunity. You know, and it's one, it's one thing that I feel like has actually improved my game and made me better because I don't I don't just look to make the best runs I can whenever I can whenever I whenever I get the ball I try to make the best catch in it, uh, the best catches whenever I whenever the ball is thrown my way I try to block my best every time it comes uh, every time a defender's in my way so that's probably one of the best things that I've I've learned from the CFL game that you have to prove yourself every down and every down matters. Yeah, right on. Well, Shakir, you get another chance to do that this weekend. Of course, uh, the Eskimos' last ever visit to Taylor Field, so an extra storyline there as well. And, uh, hey, really enjoyed the interview. You're a well-spoken, uh, well-spoken young man, and have a good one on Sunday afternoon. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for having me. Excellent stuff. Shakir Bell, Eskimos running back. He's going to be the guy Sunday afternoon against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We'll see how he does. As we referenced there, he uh, he lit up. Saskatchewan when they played three weeks ago and uh, he's uh, I mean you've seen him he's not a tall guy so he's always had to earn his shot he's had to overcome a lot of naysayers he talked about you know not working out there at Indiana State University for him so he's uh, trying to find a home here with the Eskimos he was on the team last year didn't wind up playing in the great cup it was Akeem Shavers who was the running back in that big win for the green and gold this portion of inside sports of course is presented by Northlands Park Racetrack and Casino the Alberta Breeders Fall Classic returns to Northlands Park this Saturday be there for a great day of racing. As we move along tonight, you're going to hear from Leon Dreisaitl, former Oilers defenseman Randy Gregg is going to check in as well after the 7 o'clock news. That football game, 3-0, the Jets leading the Bills, six minutes left in the first quarter. 
this is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. So while we were gone, an 84-yard touchdown reception for Marquise Goodwin of the Buffalo Bills as they go up 7-3 on the Jets. Long bomb right over top of Darrell Revis, star cornerback for the Jets. We'll keep you updated on that one throughout the evening. Uh, Baseball tonight. I mentioned the Blue Jays play later against the Los Angeles Angels. I still always think of them as the California Angels, Kellen Kinnan. The California Angels of Anaheim. Well, they were the uh, (laughs) California Angels when I was a kid. Yeah. Then they were the Los uh, Angeles Angels. No, then they were the Anaheim Angels. Anaheim Angels, When they won the World Series, weren't they the Anaheim Angels? Yep. Then I think they were the L.A. Angels of Anaheim. Yeah. And now I think they're just the L.A. Angels. Yes. All right. Because... They're in know. Anaheim, though. They're definitely in Anaheim. Oh, definitely, I, yeah. I went to a game there. Mm-hmm. Me too. It's only 10 minutes away from Disneyland. I got a massive sunburn there. Yeah, it it's bad. So, it was so hot it's the first bad. four innings. Yeah. I didn't know how yeah. I was going to make it. Yeah, you need like SPF 100 when you're down there. All right, so I can tell you, though, that Baltimore, who have the first wild card position and are only a game out of first in the AL East, the O's are trailing Tampa Bay 7-4 in the middle of the fifth. The Yankees are playing the Red Sox, and New York winning 5-1. The Yankees still hanging around. They're four games out of first. Uh, Detroit, a factor in the wild card race as well. They're a game and a half behind the Blue Jays. They're losing, or sorry, they've already lost. 5-1 to the Twins. So uh, some of the key scores tonight in Major League Baseball is the Blue Jays try to get back on the rails. They have not been doing well lately. If you missed it earlier, Josh Donaldson is expected to play tonight. You can text 630-630. This listener says, great interview. I like Shakir Bell. What a class act. Really good interview. Really good interview. Yeah, I had never had him on the show before. Very, uh, very well spoken and clearly very focused what he has to do. And uh, the Eskimos are going to need him. Uh, it's it's funny. Well, it's actually not funny. No, it's not it's not ha ha funny, Kellen. That's what I'm getting at. A lot of people have it's said peculiar. to me, it's peculiar. A lot of people have said to me. I, I, I mentioned I was at Rogers Place today for the Oil Kings availability. A couple other uh, media wags said to me, you know, a couple buddies, and, and even my own mother. And I'll I'll, I'll do the voice uh, she used when she told me this this afternoon. Oh, I'm a little worried about the game on Sunday. I'm afraid the Riders are going to win. Well, I've been hearing that from a lot of Eskimos fans. Uh, you know, it's been it's been obviously a shaky season for the Eskimos, and the Riders have lost a lot of close games. Now, I'm not saying um, I'm not saying the fact that they have lost a lot of close games is the, a sign that they're actually a good team because most games are close, and you can either figure it out or you can't. But there is that sort of feeling, I think, that the Riders are due. They've only won one game all year. They're probably not going to go 1-17. So, hey, yet another test for the Eskimos. And right now, they are not in a playoff position. That could change depending on how things shake down over the weekend. But they have some work to do. Not sure who's going to return kicks. Right now, it's looking like it will be Kenzel Doe still in that position, even though Troy Studemeyer is now with the Eskimos. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. We have news, traffic, uh, weather, obviously a big uh, news story today with the Travis Vader verdict, so we'll have some details on that. Randy Gregg, Leon Dreisaitl, still ahead inside sports on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chat.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.